0: All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 Podcast. I am your host, Pizza Mind, and I am here with my wonderful co-host, Bryce Paul. Bryce, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, Things are good, man. Things are, uh, you know, uh, bright. A lot better than uh, than I deserve, you know. We had a great holiday, great Easter weekend, and now we are, uh, you know, we're joined by a a legend in the space, uh, Todd Southwick from none other than iTrust Capital. So, Todd, welcome uh, to the Crypto 101 Podcast. Amazing. I wish I could, like, have as much energy as you guys. I am, like,
2: tempted (laughs) to try to fake it. This is what we get paid to do.
0: That was all the (laughs) energy I I had. So now it's time to just kind of mellow down and relax, take it easy. But I am actually genuinely excited to talk to you because I've been recommending iTrust since maybe, like, customer number 12. I think one of my buddies was. Uh, way back in like 2018 or 2019, whenever it was. So we've been following you guys for a long time. This is our first time actually getting to talk face to face. So first off, I'd like to say thank you for building a great product. And second, I wanna know what you were doing where you had this aha moment to do it in the first place. Well, thank you. Um, And yeah, like
2: uh, the aha moment was kind of one of those times where, you know, everyone's had this feeling where you're like looking for something and then it doesn't really exist. You know, like why doesn't it, why 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 doesn't this exist? Why has anybody done it? Uh, and me and Blake had that when you know, we were looking at crypto IRAs and uh, the the benefits are clear. But at the time, like people were charging like fifteen percent, twenty percent. You you had to schedule when you were like uh, making your market order. It, it is as simple as it should be, right? Which is the, the platform we have now. Like it just it just didn't exist, and we were just like. How do we make something that we'd be cool telling our friends to use and telling our parents to use versus like right now? Like, okay, you're going to have to open an account with so-and-so and and then this and that and this. And it's just like a whole big complicated uh, mess. And uh, we ended up just taking that thing, just trying to make something that's Complicated, easy to do to where, again, our parents would feel good doing it, or myself and anyone else. And that ended up being precisely what the market wanted, and we were rewarded.
0: I love and it. And just to back up one more step for our new listeners, iTrust Capital is a way to invest in crypto using your IRA. So you can use your retirement funds that you've set aside from your normal job that's already in your 401k. You can roll it over into an IRA. And instead of investing in these, Crazy overinflated stocks that, you know, are really, I mean, I can't say anything about stocks, really. But, uh, the lawyers looking at me <laughs> right now like, oh, we're going to end up anything say this, you say from this right? point. But I can say better. that I don't make money crypto.
2: on stock investments. It's like I yeah. have not done well this year on my stock investments. I've done poorly, and historically, I've not been i've I've not done the best in those. And mutual funds are even worse. Like, yeah, I, you yeah. know,
0: you get to the everyone's where you just don't even 401k, look at 401 Yeah, everyone's 401k is in Vanguard, earning you know a dollar fifty and a cheeseburger a year <laughs> for basically controlling you know half the world's funds apparently, but crypto if we're all here for the future we want some gains that can change our lives and that's probably never going to happen via the stock market so that's what we're here for and, and now we a full dis- full disclosure
2: away. there that I, 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 the interest capital thing. and todd is is not in any way uh recommending any type uh any type of investment i'm just making a statement that sure. i have not done the best in uh in stocks you know something cool you know my mother-in-law for Easter like remembers every year that like I like jelly beans and I guess there was one year I guess where she didn't have them and she actually makes like a special trip to the store to make sure I have jelly beans. Like that's pretty freaking nice,
1: right? Yeah. So so let's let's backtrack a little. I think there's probably some some folks that are in the audience that are like, "All right, actually let's define what an IRA is." Maybe somebody who's just graduated college and, you know, just kind of joining the workforce and doesn't even know what, you know, an IRA is or a 401k can can you kind of dive deep into to what these structures are Todd?
2: Sure I think for like if everybody has or, or like when you when you first get like your first real job then there's that benefits like conference room sort of thing that you t- typically do with like 20 or 30 other people and then they explain their retirement plan and then they explain that you can have you know the different mutual funds or, or whatever it is and I think that's where people's First exposure is to tax advantage accounts, and it's like super boring and not interesting. And so the reason why no one, why most people don't really know about it or the benefits, is because it's so inherently boring and tied to kind of these employer benefits things. When it's actually pretty sweet. So, um, you have two real basic types of accounts. You you have the Roth IRA, which lets you. Um, Once you put money in it, then when you withdraw it, there's no, there's no taxes at all. There's essentially no, you know, no income tax, no capital gains um, once the money's in there. Uh, And then you have the other kind of IRA, which is, you know, you're not, you're not taxed in the way in, you're not taxed while it's in there, but you are taxed on the way out. So even that sounds like kind of, you know, a little confusing hearing myself say it, but um, so ask a question and I'll try to be clear.
1: Yeah, and so I guess in in, in terms of uh, where crypto comes in, so w- through iTrust Capital, you could basically uh, you know take your crypto, um, or, or I should say, take your you know your normal bank account or your normal um, you know money management funds wherever they are, and connect it to iTrust Capital and be able to trade your uh, your crypto through an IRA. Is that right? Yeah, and the benefit to doing that
2: is that you don't have a taxable event every time you. You buy or sell something. Uh, it, this is something that, that Blake's been coming. came up with a, a kind of a cool way to explain this, which is you know how do how is it that the rich people become rich, and I, I you know a lot of it has to do with being as tax advantaged as possible. So mm-hmm. if you if you buy a piece of real estate. And you don't sell it for twenty years. There wasn't ever, you know, there wasn't ever a taxable event, and so you're not getting haircutted, you know, every time you, you know, at every year, if you could imagine. You've spent a hundred thousand dollars on a house, and let's say it goes up to fifty thousand, you know, be like if you were taxed every time it went up every year, like you were taxed on that fifty thousand, and then the next year maybe it was two fifty, and so you made another hundred, but then you're taxed on that. It makes it really hard to 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 accumulate it, and it's not really what rich people do. So if you're in crypto and you're and you're trying to to uh, trade, right, you, you know buy low, sell high or whatnot, you're creating a taxable event. So if you made one hundred thousand dollars on your cryptocurrency in a non-tax advantaged account, you're probably giving up fifty thousand to uh, to the federal government. If you did all if you did that within an IRA, you wouldn't. So it's kind of the choice between being able to really you can really play the market in an IRA versus if you're not in a tax advantage account, like you really should just hoddle and be done with it because as long as you don't sell it, then you know there wasn't ever there was wasn't any
1: gain. Mm. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. That's a really good explanation. Um and is it a platform is iTrust Plat, uh, capital a platform that you guys have to vet other cryptocurrencies in order to add? Like maybe there's only a few cryptos that you could trade on iTrust or is it kind of run the gamut?
2: Our position is that we don't have any business telling our clients what they should be investing in. Um, And to that end, we've tried to be as hands off as we can on the assets coming onto the platform with kind of the following taken into account. We also don't want clients to get into, to to run into something that becomes a problem for them in the future. Uh, And we don't want to be in a position where we, for whatever reason, uh, xrp is actually an example where due to outside factors that have nothing to do with us make it to where everybody's you know assets can't be transacted anymore as as the case with xrp. So when we're evaluating assets we're you know we're either we're looking out for the clients and then we're also kind of we're you know looking to see we're looking to make sure that there'll be continued liquidity.
0: So that all sounds amazing but what's the catch? there's always a catch for something that sounds too good to be true. And in the case of a 401k or an IRA, you know, one catch is you can't remove this money until you're like 58, 62, 65 without some severe penalties. Is that correct?
2: That's catch number one. And the catch number two is that you're limited on how much that you can put in. So, you know, like uh, Bitcoin drops to, I mean, today it dropped. It's a buying opportunity in my opinion, but- you can't just throw fifty thousand dollars at it like you can with with a non tax advantaged accounts. Like you're you're limited to your contributions, usually five thousand uh, dollars that can go in it, and then you have the limitation on uh, on withdrawing too, based on you know age and. Um, uh, it, it, I, this is one of those tax advisor questions, but yeah, there's limitations both in and out.
0: Interesting. So as far as you know you said you mentioned uh, you built iTrust cuz it really didn't exist at that time how has the IRA or the crypto IRA space matured since you started and what do you do to stay on top of that hill
2: that is a really good question so you know when we started there was no peer competitor at all they you know if you wanted to go somewhere else you were paying um, a lot more uh, now, like, now you have some, you know, some choices out there. Uh, and I think everyone at this point has copied our model as, as much as possible. Our platform's larger, it's more secure, and our future uh, product features will leapfrog us ahead, you know, once again. Because it's kind of like, I feel like we showed everybody what what the possibility is. Everybody copied our current product. But they also had not been developing the follow-up products that uh, were, you know, going to be uh, released continuously. I mean, we went from, uh, you know, we went from like, you know, essentially, you know, a startup operation with less than twenty people to a full-fledged organization of, you know, over a hundred people, uh, and with with a, a huge engineering team. Uh, and that can't be said for our peers. So, you know, what we're innovating on. In engineering, and then we also have innovation that comes out of legal. It's kind of like, you're, in my opinion, your two things that you have to that you need it to make cryptocurrency investment platforms work in the United States. Super strong legal and regulatory foundation and, and team, and a super strong engineering team. You have one without the other, you have nothing. So that's where we've made. That's where we've invested, um, and uh, the the, the uh, product roadmap will show.
1: Yeah, that, that's actually a really good. Kind of segue. uh, One of the questions I was curious about was just from your vantage point, somebody who's who's running. um, You know, I trust Capital. What is the big regulatory roadblock that maybe makes you know doing business more difficult than you think it rationally should be? I think so. Check this uh, for a bob and
2: weave. So I (laughs) I think (laughs) actually, because I actually like the subject of of regulation, I'm comfortable in it. I think that. Success for fintech platforms in the United States is going to a lot of that's going to be based on how well you engage with kind of the the new uh, regulatory regime that's coming out. Uh, The fear and the paralysis, I think, with everybody is is like just not is just the not knowing like the SEC will give you like some warnings like uh, and you can see whose heads have already rolled. Right, and then you you have to take that and kind of interpret. Okay, well, what does this mean, you know, for us? And you know, how do you kind of move forward, in, you know, in a space where you weren't given a rule book? You're only kind of shown either this is what the SEC is going to be looking at, and this is what the SEC has already done. And the cool thing about crypto is not only do we have to worry about them, but we have to worry about all of the state regulators as well uh, until kind of this this whole ecosystem is is, um, is consolidated. But I think this is also the huge, the, you know, the huge opportunity for innovation for companies like us that are innovating in the, the, the regulatory space. And, and like, you're not going to have Fidelity come down with a consumer product with all of this unsettled uh, regulatory issues, especially when it comes to, uh, to consumer stuff.
0: Do you think we're getting any closer to having any clarity as far as the different classes of digital assets? meaning you've got Bitcoin and Litecoin as cryptocurrency. You've got Ethereum and Cardano and Atom as like utility tokens. And then you've got very clear security tokens, you know, uh, like digitized stocks, uh, things like Props Network, for example, that did a reggae offering. And then you've got NFTs now, which could be all kinds of different things. You know, what's got the green light and what has any lights on at all at this point? Uh,
2: they're definitely not giving people a green like there, there is absolutely not that right now it's it's still in the, the area where you have to you have to take what information is is in the tea leaves and uh, chart out the, the you know what the best way forward is. Based on a risk assessment, but this—that's kind of like the not fun part of of regulation, where you know the the people doing the regulating haven't quite figured out really how, and they don't really have the you know the, I don't feel like they've they've accumulated the knowledge or the people that know what they're doing yet. So it's, I do think ultimately we'll get we'll get there, but like areas where it's pretty clear that there should be regulation, for example, crypto custody, uh, any company can go out there and say like that they have the top standard security and this and that and this and that, but do they, you know, and, um, so much can, you know, so much weakness in, in, uh, in custody can happen with just one small pollution of like, uh, the, the, the chain of custody of like, say a private key or a key generation ceremony. And these are things that, that enterprises don't really understand, uh, including big, uh, financial companies. So when, when regulators are saying they want to look at crypto custody and you look at the stuff that's happened on the market, I, I have to agree with them. Mm-hmm. But, but then I also take the, you know, take the look at where, you know, from our perspective, this is a competitive advantage for trust Capital, where we've taken it very seriously from the beginning. And we're proactively engaging with the people that make these rules to, to, to make sure that they are the ones that make sense for us and i think ultimately for the 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 blockchain investment uh, investor by being one of the the good actors in the space like like what we try to do but to go back on you know where things have been made clear they've been they've made it clear in 2014 that they consider uh bitcoin an asset and not a currency um we know that they're okay with ethereum being uh, being an asset but there's not you know, it's not like there's a list of these are OK and these aren't OK. Um, and then there's this there, there's a uh, uh, there's the fact that many, many things to a regulator look very much like a security when they start when they behave in more ways than just storing value. Uh, it's have you guys heard about the the Howie test with the oranges yeah. and the orange factory. And it, there's a lot of stuff that looks like orange factories, you know, right now. And I think it would be I I think it's a a terrible thing if, if, you know, if the if regulators come in with like too heavy of a hand before this stuff even has a chance to to turn into anything. So I'm really hoping that because of the amount of of institutional money, Wall Street money going into the space, we're an example, right, of of having a a pretty decent investment. I'm hoping that 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 amount of investment makes it to where companies like us are engaging with regulators to to end up with a regulatory environment that makes sense for the consumer and allows us to actually to, and allows us to progress
1: the yeah. uh, the forward and not get stuck yeah it seems it sounds like the kinks are getting worked out
3: So as a small business owner, you are juggling a hundred balls in the air and you just don't have time to interview candidates who just aren't qualified for your role. And LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier for you to
1: find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Uh, We use LinkedIn to fill positions here at Crypto 101, including two of our newest...
4: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite.
1: Crypto analyst hires already this year. You could create a free job post
3: in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and well beyond it to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Then add your job. You could add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile as well to spread the word that you're hiring so your network could help you find the right people to hire. And simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience So you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and eventually hire. And it's all why you know small businesses are rating LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn Jobs flat out helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know that every week, nearly 40 million seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Crypto, again, guys, that's linkedin.com/slash crypto to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply.
1: You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm curious about, um, you know, switching gears a little bit uh, is, is DeFi and iTrust Capital. Um, you know, a lot of people like yield farming. Um, is that possible through iTrust Capital? we're working on it and and this one that's one of, that's, one of the,
2: that's that's one of the orange factory kind of things right where man the opportunity's there but I, I i think going down the regulatory rabbit hole on that kind of like gets us lost because there's so little clarity it's it's kind of more fun to to, to talk about the uh the opportunity there so yeah. uh, if you got you guys have done the metamask thing like oh my god right it's freaking scary so I, I, that that's where there's another example, like with what we saw on the IRA, where you have something that's scary to the point of not being accessible, and then the opportunity being to build technology that makes it that makes it accessible to everybody. And that's where we're trying. That's where we're working on it on that side, on the technology side. And then in terms of making sure that we're allowed to do it, that's that other side where I said you know that investment in legal foundation, regulatory the structure stuff has to happen. You know, at the at the same time, just one's way more fun to
0: talk about. And it seems like there's a loophole in all of this that has come out where they're talking about this vague term, sufficiently decentralized, where instead of an orange factory, you've got an orange field that is kind of just growing in nature, they're not going to try and mow that whole thing down. So the question then becomes, is a network and its token supply and its control and its voting power and its validators and miners, quote unquote, sufficiently decentralized enough? that they're just going to let it ride. And there's been no metrics given to determine
2: this. That's the Ethereum test, right? Yeah.
0: So it, it should be interesting to see what other tokens are going to make legal claims that, hey, we're sufficiently decentralized. And there's tokens out there that have launched their entire mining supply all at once on day one. And the founders even had to buy their own tokens off the open market. So. It's going to be interesting to see where the dust settles in this argument, and you know I really am excited to see you know what the next three year window is going to be like for iTrust as you guys continue to work with regulators and try and push this industry forward from that angle. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I kind of wanted to ask uh, Todd
1: was was a little bit about your maybe philosophical motivations uh, for for really getting deep into the crypto industry. Um, was it more from an angle of, you know, really being passionate about banking the unbanked or maybe even unbanking the bank or was it, was it something else?
2: I can start with like where I was when I first, you know, transacted with crypto. Hmm. It started as intellectual curiosity, like in nice. 2012, I believe that was when I first started getting involved and it. was just one of those things where it was like, the, I actually think it was, I think I was reading articles about the Silk Road and I'm like what is this madness, <laughs> this right? And no, this is amazing. What is this, right? And so kind of, it, you know, it started with that. And I, I think in a lot of ways, like I'm, you know, I'm still there uh, where, you know, I recognize the, the um, I mean, I'm amazed with what's going on. Yeah, uh, you know, But from ITRIS Capital's perspective, we're not innovators there. We're innovators in making it to where people can have access to the innovation. Uh, so I, th- I think my my intellectual curiosity in um, in the space in general is kind of the right place to be, where you know we're not trying to you know um, we're not, we're not making tokens I guess is, is my point we're providing access to uh, for other people to make the investment and um, yeah does that answer the question I don't feel like it does but
1: yeah I'm yeah sure. um, I, I always think it's interesting like basically everybody kind of gets into the crypto industry from a different angle. Some people are like, oh, like you, you saw like, hey, just the freedom of of mobility of of cash and just truly, you know, free markets. Um, you thought maybe that was, you know, kind of what was most compelling. You know, other people kind of say, hey, you know, I was a Wall Street banker and I saw, you know, some of these, you know, DeFi lending platforms were going to be eating our lunch here in 10 years. So we decided, you know, I'm going to jump ship there and, and start to, you know, start my own company. And so everybody kind of comes in from a different angle. I just always like to kind of Get a sense of why concept. Well, I, when looking at DeFi and
2: just looking at things that can be done on Ethereum.
3: Uh, it,
2: the concept of being able to take an investment strategy, make an investment in it, and then end up with a token that on its own can be resold is like mind blowing. So I think when that settles in, you know, settles into the traditional finance where they've essentially been having to do that work, but every time they transfer the asset, like let's say we're packaging up debt, like, okay, I get a lot of so-and-so guys with so-and-so credit scores and it goes into this pool and then it gets resold. But the amount of due diligence that has to happen uh, and, and legal work that has to happen. And it it, it's, um, we have a lot of attorneys here. So like there'll be there's stories about, you know, multi-billion dollar transactions, like hundred billion dollar transactions or whatnot. And it all comes down to, you know, a team of X amount of attorneys and a stack of paperwork that all has to be moved over the line in like, you know, in like the middle of the night. So it seems to me to be a pretty imperfect process, especially when you end up with like a, a, you know, a 4,000 page, you know, document, I'm exaggerating, that, you know, everybody has to sign and nobody, you know, without anyone really, you know, having time to read through it, it's like passing a bill through Congress to, you know, to do a a, a larger, uh, you know, finance uh, type of transactions. And I mean, look, take an investment, you take a package, you get into th- in a thing, and then it can be, you know, traded and transacted. That's why I think we haven't, you know, people haven't realized the Scope
1: of what's possible, all this of what's possible. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. I think, uh, you know, we're just at the tip of the iceberg, and you know, I am encouraged, uh, from from President Biden's executive order that came out maybe a month and a half ago or so. Um, and you know, he was talking about how he's, uh, you know, taking a serious look at the crypto industry and making sure the right regulatory bodies are are there. So it seemed like from, from the top down they were encouraging innovation and, you know, kind of to your point, not wanting to stifle innovation and, you know, letting us, you know, see, see how it plays out while still taking, uh, you know, plenty of precaution um, with with some of the blatantly bad actors and some of the products that aren't sufficiently decentralized. So it looks like there's, you know, a, a lot of good positive momentum uh, kind of in the regulatory side of things. Um, and, you know, Todd, are, you know? I, I kind of am curious. We we always like to get everybody's just general thoughts on the market. And you know, I'm seeing a lot of mixed signals currently. You know, we have you know a, a Federal Reserve who's a little hawkish, and they're saying, "Oh, we're going to hike interest rates, and we're going to you know try and bring you know um, markets back in line." And you know, then we see you know tremendous amounts of you know inflation of commodities, which actually you know when all your necessities. Are more expensive. You have less. You have kind of a less um, kind of discretionary spending to invest in stocks and, and all that kind of stuff. And so we're kind of seeing this weird, uh, you know, shift in the market where you know growth is kind of tapering off and value is starting to, to rip and roar. Do, are you? Do you uh, trade actively? Do you have any kind of thoughts or comments on on this sort of market environment that that we're in? I, you know, what I do because.
2: My brother mentioned this. There's more money in like consumer bank accounts than uh, than. I mean, uh, uh, mm. I'm looking at a chart here. You know, there's over.
1: Oh my gosh! I think because it's like all the stimulus. Yeah, I, I heard in the last 20 years. trillion. Yeah, in the past two years, they've printed 41 uh, of the of the monetary supply. And so, you know, you still have a tremendous amount of demand uh, in bank accounts out there. Um, Well, they're just—it's sitting in dollars with no place for
2: it to go, mm -hmm. right? Is that a good thing for for investment platforms? I I think so. We want to get it out of the the you know, if you you have money, money sitting in a bank bank account is like losing eight and a half percent a year with inflation now, right? Do you really (laughs) think it's eight and a half percent? I mean, I feel like it's.
1: I think everybody feels it, right? It's, it's got to be a lot higher, power. I would imagine. That's just the number that they're willing to advertise. That's like, you know, the lowest uh, probably number of inflation uh, that that and you know. It's probably closer to twenty percent. Want to buy a house, right? You want to
2: buy a house in Southern California, like uh, <laughs> you? You look at one that was a, a, a million dollars, and like now it's like one point seven in the case. Uh, you know, in the span of of just a year, and then. Mm -hmm. You know, from more people's mortgages is generally more than 50 percent of their income, uh, you know, for like a family, if not more because of how how expensive they are. So you could see just like you said it, Aaron, the 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 basket of stuff people actually spend money on feels like it's gone up more than than eight and a half percent. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, my brother just bought a house and there were people coming in. $100,000 over asking price to try and get that thing And as it was, he was lucky enough to win one of the houses he was looking at with 80,000 over asking. Absolutely insane. And there's news articles every day saying the housing bubble is going to burst. It's going to come down. Well, not anywhere in Texas or Miami where everyone is trying to flee all the other places that don't make common sense a part of their lives anymore.
2: (laughs) Well, think it doesn't make sense in California. And it's like, I I mean, if people were going to flee, like let's have them flee because uh, you know, you can't even, I mean, you want to buy a house right now? Like, all right, there's five, like wherever you're looking, right? It's like, there's five and they're going to cost way too much. And you need to come in with like a cash offer with no loan contingency, no inspections, no anything, basically sight unseen. And you need to close it within the day that it, it was. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just quick tangent for something else, as we were talking about 8.5%, that made me think like that's like the average yield we were getting on stablecoins for a long time, but that no longer seems to be the case for a lot of things. And there's a lot of stablecoin lending platforms here in the US that are being effectively shut down, not literally shut down, but um, US citizens are being shut out of them, which is a huge part of their market. BlockFi has got it. Ledin's got it. Celsius just got it the other day. Uh, it's causing more damage to people's lives than covid I would imagine in some cases what's the deal here what is the SEC looking at behind the scenes of these platforms and saying this is completely crazy you can't do this anymore
2: love the subject first of all I think you can look at the lending thing and you can extend it towards to like a lot of stuff going on in in in, in maybe all of what's going on in crypto um should people be able to have access to that. I think so. Uh, what's the reasoning behind right now, like them them stopping it? So um, we're going to use only the centralized platforms in in my example, and we're not going to go with any decentralized. So it's it's essentially an unsecured loan uh, going to a company that's managing a portfolio of generally short sellers or other people who have to offset the market risk of, uh, of cryptocurrency, uh, I trust capital could, we can use an example of wanting to offset the risk. So if we, if, if we needed to make deposits of Bitcoin to facilitate liquidity, which currently we don't, and we didn't want to take the market risk, then we'd want to borrow it. Right. So there's, there's use cases for, you know, for institutions needing to borrow to, to hedge risk and, and whatnot. Uh, but if it's a central, centralized platform, then that means somewhere there's a guy who's responsible for managing the counterparty risk with the guys that are, that need to borrow it, like the iTrust Capital or whatnot, or short sellers. There's a man in the middle. And if they're, if, if they're wrong about managing that portfolio, and let's say, you know, it's a bunch of short sellers, And then the price doubles. uh, Let's say Bitcoin, and then the price doubles, which it does every once in a while. You know, if all those short sellers get crushed at the same time, then they're not going to be able to to pay back your centralized provider of X name, and then and then all of those loans could fail, and people could you know lose their their the cryptocurrency that they that they lent out. So the the core problem that I feel needed to be uh, addressed is the fact that like that's not explained to consumers. Should that should that be available to to uh, retail investors or you know accredited investors? One that's a, that's a whole another argument. Like I believe yes, uh, you know that, that you know the retail investors should not be excluded from transactions where they can make money where big institutions have traditionally made these kinds of money. That's like that's kind of like the blockchain promise. But at the same time, you shouldn't be telling people that. Engaging in this transaction is the safest depositing money in your bank account, which right. it most assuredly is not. It's a high-risk transaction. That's why you're getting 8%. Right. Um, but that's fine. Make that decision. But it's about information and disclosure, which, in my opinion, in the consumer space, it really hasn't been there. And, and, and that's wrong.
1: Yeah. No, that's awesome. I love that commentary. Um, and I think it's spot on. Kind of, you know, let people make their decisions, analyze their risks. Um, you know, Todd, before we let you go, there's a couple of questions we like to ask everybody who comes on the show, uh, just to get you know a little personality color. Tell us, you know, one person who's really, um, you know, in crypto, who's really inspired you, whether intellectually, who's, you know, maybe written something that you just thought was profound, built something that you thought changed the world. Is there one person you could kind of, you know, shout out to? There's not. Uh, and...
2: Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was the that was the one question I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna answer that one. Because if I play favorites, then everyone else gets mad. So
1: kind of have to stay away from it. And it may be saying something could also
2: be investment advice. So sorry on that one.
1: Yeah, no worries. Well, let, let's do this one. This could be maybe a, a an easier one for those who are listening to the podcast, and this is their first time listening to uh, to a crypto podcast. What's like one word of wisdom? from a guy who's been in the space for, for, for a decade now at this point.
2: Don't be afraid. And, you know, don't be afraid to do, to do something. And when it comes to like uh, self custody, uh, write down your backup keys Mm. and put them in a safe deposit box. That's good. Yeah. Great. (laughs) I mean, no one does though. That's why I'm saying that, like how many people, institutions mess up on on their their disaster recovery all the time. So
0: personal, do the same thing. And make sure you're using good ink and good paper. You want this thing to last decades, not just weeks. Yeah, don't Don't use use pencil.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Don't use pencil. Or you can use those vault things where you have to put in all the letters and it's like in steel. Like, those are pretty sweet.
0: Yeah. Get an old-fashioned metal tape punch. (laughs) Punching your keys there. (laughs) All right, Todd, thank you so much for uh, a great conversation, a great product, and so many great more features coming uh, for us to watch for. And we look forward to having you back on next time.
2: Aaron and Bryce, it was great to meet you. And thanks to your listeners for putting up with my boringness.
0: (laughs) Not at all, Todd. All right, we will be back next week with another great episode here at the Crypto 101 Podcast.